Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by SATC Solution Center, L3C. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bridging Chicago. I'm Savannah Roundtree, the law clerk here at SATC Law. And joining me today, we have Jesse Teverbaugh of Karis Chicago. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. Uh, Jesse is the Director of Student and Alumni Affairs at CARA Chicago, and we will get into that in a little bit. Um, but first, we're just going to start a little bit with your background. Um, so I was researching, I saw you went to Illinois State University. I did. Um, does that make you a lifelong Chicago resident? Born and raised yeah. in Chicago, yes. All right. And what was your major when you were at Illinois State? My major was Corrections. Okay. Um, but I, I did not graduate, Okay. and I never worked a day in the field of okay. corrections as well. Yeah. <laughs> what led you to want to study corrections? Uh, well, I had uh, aspirations of becoming a lawyer one day. Okay. Um, and initially, after that, then I was uh, thinking I wanted to get into being a probation officer, maybe getting back into going back to my neighborhood and helping out okay. with the youth and mm-hmm. things like that. So that's kind of the, how I got my juices flowing in that area and wanted mm-hmm. to kind of get in that field. Yeah, so what did you do after Illinois State? I worked at the toll road for about three or four years, the Illinois toll road. Okay. Uh, so I worked there for a few years. Um, after that, I, I, me and some family members, we started our own business. We had a monogramming business okay. called Personal Touch Monogramming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the rest of my relatives, they kept their nine to five jobs Oh, wow. And, uh, and did kinda, the business on top of that? And they did the business wow. on yeah. top of that. I was all in, so I uh-huh. quit my my job that I was doing, mm-hmm. and I was going heads into this uh, monogramming business, uh, but kind of mm-hmm. folded after three or four years and uh, found myself back into the job market. Yeah. And from there, uh, I went to work for Nabisco. I've okay. always driven trucks. I've driven trucks since I was a teenager. Uh, my uh, uncle used to own a furniture store, one of the largest uh-huh. African-American furniture stores in uh, Chicago. Okay. And as a teenager, you didn't have to have a CDL then. And I was going to ask, like, how you get a truck driving job. Like, I always, yeah. you see people driving trucks all around, but I never see really, I don't know, advertisements or anything. So I don't even know how you get a job. But for you, it was just your uncle. Oh, it's changed it. tremendously yeah. <laughs> since then. I mean, I know I, I mm-hmm. look a little younger than <laughs> I probably am. But yeah, it's changed uh, immensely since since then. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, just love driving trucks, love driving anything that had a, uh, an engine on it. Okay. Uh, I can tell you about some uh, escapades of uh, stealing my father's car as a teenager just I'm to drive. I'm sure you and my brother would get along yeah, <laughs> really absolutely. well. Yeah, anything that had an engine in it. Uh, but again, I drove trucks then. Uh, my uncle needed some extra help mm-hmm. in the summertime, and so yeah. his son, my cousin, we used to just we had to lift furniture but we didn't mind yeah. doing it because we got to drive, drive the, the truck, <laughs> truck yeah. uh, and again when i went away to college i actually drove uh, a truck for a lumber company all through college as well okay and so i had that experience mm-hmm. but i had to have a cdl okay certified mm-hmm. driver's license and things yeah. like that so the, the, the times changed and so uh, i've got a cdl i've already had the experience mm-hmm. so passing the test and and uh getting a driver's license was no problem, and I went to work for Nabisco. Okay. And so that's how I started driving professionally. Okay. So how long were you driving professionally? I was driving uh, with Nabisco for 18 years. Oh, wow, okay. I stayed with them for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Nabisco is a very, or at least was, um, a very uh, good company to work for. Mm-hmm. They had a great retirement plan, 401k plan. Uh, the hours were great. You're guaranteed eight hours. So if you went on your mm-hmm. route and was finishing two hours, three hours, you got oh, paid well. for eight. Yeah, I wish. A, yeah. I could get paid for hours. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was and as a young man, you know, and still uh, socially active, mm-hmm. I mean, it was right up my alley. I just uh, started, uh, uh, just gotten married. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, with the anticipations of starting a family and mm-hmm. being able to be at home in the afternoon and early evenings and stuff really uh, uh, looked enticing. So it was, it was, it was great. Truck driver to eventually working at Care Chicago. I know first you started um, at Clean Slate Chicago, which is sort of a, I don't know, a subsidiary of Care Chicago. A social enterprise. Um, that's sure. our social enterprise that we own. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, that's not how it kind of transpired. Again, one, I'm a product of Care. Mm-hmm. And um, over the years, I had some life challenges that went on. Uh, mm-hmm. I happened to be a recovering alcoholic and addict. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it finally caught up with me. It caught up with me. Uh, you know, you have this term that people use loosely as a uh, functioning addict. Or sure. Functioning mm-hmm. alcoholic. Yeah, can I, only function I, that way yeah, for so I, long. I, yeah, I thought I had the badge of honor of mm-hmm. one of those, you know, because I uh, I went to work every day. Uh, I didn't, uh, didn't lose my home, didn't lose all of those things. So I thought, you know, I was... I was keeping it uh, under control, mm-hmm. uh, also keeping it away from hiding it from my wife. Um, just couldn't explain the behavior changes right. and things over the mm-hmm. years. And it just finally came to a head, finally came to a head. And uh, I remember, like it was yesterday, I had a sit-down talk in our kitchen and let her know exactly what was going on with me. I think she was more relieved than anything because now she had something to kind of uh, identify what the problem yeah, was. It wasn't just this. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't just mysterious. Mm-hmm. Him just being a uh, a jerk. Right. It was. It was a reason for me being a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but again, it just came to a head, and mm-hmm. um, I happened to uh, get it under control before I lost my job and things like that. And so that was the first time I went into recovery. Okay. And um, got out and went back to work driving the truck for Nabisco. Everything was fine. And evidently the tolls of, uh, of that and other things, um, we just couldn't make the marriage work. Sure. And um, uh, we finally got a divorce. And in a few years and got another relationships and other things, mm-hmm. thinking, you know, I still had an opportunity to yeah. get this family life together. Mm-hmm. And um, met someone. The relationship didn't go as as I anticipated. Uh, there were some things, uh, infidelity, uh, things that was going mm-hmm. on, and <clears> then <throat> to make a long story short, I just got caught up in this life that I thought I was living, mm-hmm. and in the thought that the life that was actually going on, and uh, it took its toll. And after 11 years of sobriety, uh, I relapsed. Wow. Okay. Um, I relapsed and. This was 18 years of being at Nabisco. Mm-hmm. Things started to unravel. Yeah. Um, and again, I I don't want to just plan it all on that. There were other things in my life that were going on sure. that I had probably yeah. been struggling just like with. piling up over, after absolutely, years. Absolutely, and just yeah. not dealing with them. It mm-hmm. just came to a head, and my life just started unraveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it just got to a head where uh, after uh, I relapsed, 
I started racking up DUIs. Okay. And so again, I'm my livelihood. Yeah, is, I bet they don't let you keep a CDL after you've got some DUIs. Absolutely not. And it kind of got caught up with me with my uh, superiors at Nabisco. Again, no CD, no driver's license, no CDLs. Mm-hmm. There goes my livelihood in 18 years of uh, a profession that I had built uh, for a bedroom uh, home. Um, all the things that go along with that, all mm-hmm. the material things yeah, that so go along with it. so just more things sort of piling Absolutely. on. Absolutely. It just started unraveling, mm-hmm. and all of those things that accumulated started to kind of disappear yeah. as well. And so I found myself back in rehab. Mm-hmm. And by this time, like I mentioned, my livelihood was gone. My CDL driver's license was gone. I could never drive commercially again. Uh, My home was being foreclosed on. Um, Everything that I had thought was reality in my life. Mm -hmm. Everything you had been building up. I I just started to be like a a blur. Like, is this, have I been really living a real life or has this all been a fantasy? You know, I started questioning my own, uh, my own uh, confidence and everything else. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So, and that, not to mention, uh. Uh, I was going through a depression. I had been diagnosed with right, depression yeah. as well. So that coupled with everything, I was just, uh, I, when they say bottom, I was I was bottomed <laughs> out. I had bottomed mm-hmm. out. And while I was in rehab for that second time, uh, this organization was really at its really infancy stage. It was just this boutique organization that was mm-hmm. operating out of the basement of old St. Pat's Church. Uh-huh. They came and they, they put on a presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the recovery uh, home that uh, treatment center that I was staying in, and I'm like, well, I ain't got nothing to lose. I have nothing else to look forward to going to. Like I mentioned, uh, my house had started being uh, foreclosed mm-hmm. on. Uh, I needed to decide what I was going to do when I got out of treatment. And so uh, when I got out of treatment, uh, I came to care. Mm-hmm. I came so- as a student. Great. So let's um, take a step back and do sort of the quick elevator pitch yeah. of what CARA Chicago is. Yeah. So CARA uh, Chicago is a job readiness program. Mm-hmm. And what we do is uh, we take individuals who have challenges to employment. Those mm-hmm. challenges can uh, run the gamut. Uh, it can be someone who has gaps in their work, play, uh, work history, someone maybe who doesn't have a high school diploma. It mm-hmm. can be someone who has some criminal background history or some substance abuse history. Mm-hmm. It can also uh, uh, include someone who has plenty of work history, but for some reason maybe the company downsized and mm-hmm. now they find themselves out of work and those skills that they had before might be a little outdated uh, and difficult to get back into the uh employment field and so what we do is we provide some professional and personal training soft skills Mm -hmm. training and then we place them into permanent jobs we have some employment partners about 75 or 80 employment partners that we work with Mm -hmm. so we have something to offer them after this training to place individuals into right so um the way you initially found out about Mm Kara is they came and gave a presentation at the facility that you were at so is that how um, most students learn about CARA. What is the recruitment process like for CARA? Well, there's a referral source. There's uh, many ways uh, over the years that we've kind of uh, provided opportunities to get the word out and get people interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can be referred from Department of Public Aid. Uh, people can be referred from any other organization, uh, uh, probation officers, churches. 
sometimes we do put on presentations at public libraries for unemployed people okay. who come to mm -hmm. a public library looking to use computers. So there's different referral partners that we do use. We have a very strong relationship with some of the shelters in the city of Chicago as well. Okay. But we do partner with other agencies to okay. get the word out for Great. other people to refer people to CARA. Great. So what was your experience like when you first started as a student of yeah. CARA? It was hopeless. I, mm -hmm. I had no idea how I was going to dig myself out of this circumstance and situation I had found myself into. And uh, the first thing I, I remember of walking through the doors is this sense of hope. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, it was uh, an idea that, you know, people who had gone through worse circumstances and situations that I had, and I'm like, okay, here's opportunities for people. So I, I thought, you know, here's an opportunity to kind of reinvent myself. Mm -hmm. I, I really looked at it as an opportunity to reinvent myself and how yeah. can I kind of use some of the struggles and challenges and mistakes that I've made to kind of reinvent myself mm -hmm. and take myself down off a few levels of a, a platform that I put myself right. on and say, you know what, look where you found yourself. Yeah. Um, something as I've been looking at all the CARA materials, um, something that I found really interesting and important is that CARA focuses on not just like job skills mm. and uh, workplace, you know, skills and experiences, but also uh, self-actualization is a really important part of it. And it's, um, I guess, sort of what you're saying is like making you realize the worth in yourself as well as not just getting any job, you know. Absolutely. That was another uh, thing that really attracted me to care as well. Uh, like I said, I, I found myself in that predicament, in that situation. Mm -hmm. Having a job was not a problem. Right. I always had a job. And what I found when I came in, um, in those early days, we had just started thinking about addressing those social and emotional challenges that individuals are facing, mm -hmm. that it's not a job is not the end all to be all to everyone's circumstance. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe at the very early stages of care, people were they were placing people in jobs and finding out six, seven, eight months later, they were losing their jobs. So something mm -hmm. had to be changed. So we just started the idea of this treating the whole being, this holistic mm -hmm. approach to a human being that just throwing a paycheck at them, just getting someone employed is not going to be the end all to their problems. Right, yeah, and I also noticed um, another aspect of CARA is the focus on not only getting a job, but those individuals retaining their jobs, and I think that's really important as well, because it is one thing to get a job, but keeping your job is really important as well. Absolutely, and, and part of that is you, you cannot solve your problems with the same mindset that created them. Mm -hmm. So again, if I go into somebody gets me a job and I take my same belief system and the same things that got me in that circumstances and don't change those and don't mm -hmm. change my way of dealing with challenges, with making decisions, then that job is not going to last. If I got somebody who maybe, for example, just using an example, who've never had a job before, never used to budgeting or paying bills, just giving them a job and not giving them those uh, those coping skills or giving them that support to maintain that job over the over the course of a year, mm -hmm. that gets pretty difficult. And so that retention piece of the uh, of care is really really important. Yeah, I think that's really important and really great that um, CARA focuses on that yeah. as well. Um, so you're a student of CARA, and then the only thing I can find is that you have been working within the infrastructure of CARA. So did you ever get um, a job placement outside of CARA, or did you go directly into the infrastructure? 
No, I went straight into the investment, went straight for the gut jugular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, when I got to CARA too, I, it was one of my goals. Uh, uh, I'm a pretty spiritual guy. I'm not a religious guy, mm-hmm. but I'm a pretty spiritual guy. And uh, when I got this opportunity, I kind of uh, had a, a come to Jesus talk sure. with myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I promised, uh, you know, if I can get myself out of this situation or circumstance, that I would, I would not doubt the direction and the purpose of my life again, mm-hmm. literally. And when I uh, came to care, I, I, I literally said, you know what, I want to work here. Uh, that didn't go off very well with uh, <laughs> maybe some other people at the time. You know, Jesse, you're a truck driver. You uh-huh. know, what makes you think you can do this type of work? And my response at that time was, that's what I did. That's not who I am. Right. I drove a truck. Mm-hmm. You know, what these people do here, I can learn how to do. Yeah. My life experience and what I've been through to get me here, nobody can can teach me that right. because I've experienced it. And I think I have the ability to bring that plus any type of training and any kind of a, 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 a learning that I can in this industry. I think that's what would make me a, a good fit. That's what would make me effective. I think that would make me more relatable not more relatable, but relatable to people who are going through this circumstance and their struggle. Because I was going through it. Right. And at the time when I was going through it, I was able to articulate what my needs were. And mm-hmm. the needs at that time when I was going through it were more emotional. Right. They were more mental. There were more spiritual challenges mm-hmm. like that. There weren't the kind of professional development. Of course, I still needed that because I hadn't gone on an interview and I don't know how long. But right. all of those personal, uh, uh, social, emotional, bankrupt things that was going on in my life, that's, I know, that's the support that I was needing. Right. Yeah, I'm sure it helps to be in your position and, like, having been in the position of the students as well when you're yeah. talking about relatability i'm sure that impacts the students as well um and so obviously that mindset of wanting to work for care worked yeah. out for you yeah. um, you're now the director of student and alumni affairs Correct. and so walk us through <clears throat> like what what does that entail what does that mean so if you think of it as a a, a principal of a school okay. I'm kind of the principal overseer of the mm-hmm. training department, uh, but I'm also the uh, uh, senior transformations life skills uh, trainer as well. Okay. And so over our enterprise, I make sure that all our curriculum is consistent. Mm-hmm. So no matter what portal uh, that we reach uh, individuals that come through, because over the years we've kind of changed from this one classic model mm-hmm. to meeting people where they are in their lives, to make sure that everyone gets that same social emotional type of training, everyone gets the same access to uh, all the staff and all the other benefits and resources that we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, because we're not all housed in one location, it kind of gets, it can get a little hard and difficult that what's happening over in this building is not happening in that building. So right. part of my job is to make sure across the enterprise that the curriculum is uh, is consistent and that everybody, no matter who comes through our doors, get all of the resources uh, that we offer. Okay, and earlier you said that you have uh, over 75 business partnerships that are partnered with you. Employment partners. Employment partners. Mm-hmm. So how how do you get those employment partners? Are there specific types of uh, businesses that you look for to partner? Well, just like uh, 
regular individuals, I mean, it runs the gamut. You have people who are interested in all fields, not only mm -hmm. interested in all fields, but they have experience in all right. fields. So you got to have employment partners that can uh, accommodate people's needs. And so we have a corporate account team mm -hmm. whose uh, job is strictly to go out and get companies uh, to uh, provide opportunities for our students. <coughs> so it runs the gamut from... Um, housekeeping to environmental services to health care to customer service to manufacturing uh, to you name it across the board mm -hmm. we have uh, companies that have uh, opportunities in all fields okay um, and so you were working at Kara during 2008 that's correct yes um, did you see any change in Kara services or the number of students that you had during that sort of recession period uh, yeah, I think it has changed over the years. Uh, I think the population has changed, and anybody who watches the news today mm -hmm. can see that there's something in the water. There's just something different, and I think this whole idea, because we kind of tapped into it very early on, mm -hmm. about this idea of social and emotional skills mm -hmm. of individuals yeah. uh, that uh, find themselves unemployed, Unemployment does something to the human spirit. Mm -hmm. Just saying, I don't have a job, it does, it does something to your, your spiritual, your mental, your emotional being, mm -hmm. and it affects us all. And so not just kind of concentrating on, on that, uh, I think, is what, what we have tapped into to really provide uh, a holistic uh, uplift in a human being as they move uh, into being self-sufficient mm -hmm. um, it, it it's it's different the students uh, population then and what's going on now like I mentioned before you can just look at the news I mean people are shooting people on the expressways now mm -hmm. so I mean this whole idea it's immediate gratification cell phones you know you you, you develop friends now by liking somebody mm -hmm. on social media. Yeah. There is no human contact. And I think over the years, that's starting to kind of play itself out when you get to uh, interact with, with, with people who already have a challenging uh, uh, role to go. And then you add that to it, it emotionally and uh, mentally, it's, it, it takes a toll. And you see more and more individuals coming into the program who have been stretched so thin in that area. It's vitally important to address those and not just think we can get someone a job and all everything will be okay in their lives. Yeah, I think people sometimes want to put a focus on, you know, just get a job, any job, yeah. but they're, you know, as you said, not dealing with their, the mental aspects and right. that could just lead you to be unemployed again, you right. know, within the year. And not to get so caught up into a... a uh, society's ills and things mm -hmm. like that, but it is. It, it's a different world today. It's a different place that we live in today, and all of these things now have compounded themselves so that when people find themselves in them circumstances, and some of it, a lot of it, a lot of times it's generational. It's mm -hmm. not that it's just one situation that has happened. Uh, like again, I use my example again. It's not just this one thing because I had some personal issues in my personal life. It right. was some compounded things mm -hmm. that kind of built up over the years that just finally came to a head. And so sometimes it's generational. Sometimes it goes from one generation to one generation to the next. And we got these generational curses that people bring to the table. And all of a sudden now I'm just walking time bomb, just ready yeah. to explode. Mm -hmm.
What have you found to be the most challenging aspect um, in your position as a director of student affairs? I think the most challenging is uh, to uh, rekindle that spark in, in people that uh, mm-hmm. they've been beat down for whatever reason. Uh, and again, it's not this stereotypical thing that people think of poverty and homeless is that person's uh, living out on the street. It, 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 it doesn't discriminate. And uh, people come in, I believe every student that comes in, no matter what portal, they come in the door with some sense of flawed sense of worth. Mm-hmm. Whether it's uh, because they were with a company for 15, 20 years and got laid off, whether they're middle-aged and maybe their relationship and they're getting, going through a divorce, whether they're going through a domestic violence circumstance or situation, mm-hmm. no matter, everybody's coming in with that one common denominator, I think, is this flawed sense of worth. Even individuals, I've done everything right. I've gone to school. I've stayed away from uh, any criminal activity. I've got a job. I've started my family. And now here I am and I find myself now here I am struggling. Right. And so now I'm, I'm questioning myself, my confidence, my mm-hmm. mojo, my, my, my swag is kind of gone. Uh-huh. And so I think no matter where that comes from, you know, life can throw you a gut punch. So I think that's the biggest challenge that I think uh, everybody that walks in those doors in some sh- uh, shape, form, or fashion is kind of going through. Mm-hmm. And then sort of the opposite side of that, what's the most rewarding aspect? Is it finally being able to rekindle that spark oh, you see <laughs> you know it's um it's actually something you can see mm-hmm. you can see a human being being transformed i don't know if you've ever uh seen the uh, a picture of a, a caterpillar when it's going through the cocoon and the catalyst and, mm-hmm. and it's in slow motion and they put it down in frame by frame and it takes a very long period of time and the struggle that it goes through mm-hmm. to break through to become this butterfly. You can actually see it from an individual who comes in the door who is hopeless and kind of doesn't know how they're going to get out of the circumstance or situation Mm -hmm. and see the progress and you kind of see them getting their confidence back. You see them other people, when people start believing in them and then them start believing in themselves, uh, you can actually see it, you can touch it, you can taste it. And that's that's the most rewarding thing that the the thing that you had something to do with with, uh, the revitalization or the Mm -hmm. rebirth of yeah. another human being. It, it's just no other feeling like it. Yeah, I'm sure there's not. Um, so if other people want to get involved with the work that Kara is doing, what can they do to do that, to help Kara's mission? Well, you can go on Kara's website, karachicago.org, and uh, you can, come, you can uh, participate in any uh, several different ways. Uh, if you'd like to become an employment partner, uh, if you'd like to become a volunteer, if you'd like to become a, 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 a donor to support in those ways, we have different ways of uh, people being able to support our mission and support uh, the goals and the things that we're doing. So there's uh, different ways, all kind of ways that you can uh, participate. All right, great. We'll make sure that those links are on all of our uh, social media pages and in yeah. the description and everything so everyone be sure to check that out mm-hmm. and unless there's anything else that you wanted to cover today i think that just about wraps up my conversation okay. so thank you again jesse so much for joining us today i really enjoyed this conversation 
Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solution Center. As always, feel free to reach out to us on social media with your comments and suggestions. You can email us at solutioncenter at satcltd.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guests. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of the SATC Solutions Center, Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the host and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.